Hello, I'm Karen Hall, and welcome to PE for Musicians, where I invite you to take a look with me at proven ways we can decrease physical and mental stress and pain in our music practice by adopting the same techniques used in successful sports training to increase our joy and artistic ability. This week's guest is Brianna Gilcher, an oboist living and working in Los Angeles who has a huge passion for musician wellness after her own battle with an injury beginning in her undergrad. Brianna's story is very personal and at the same time very relatable and something I hope many musicians can empathize with. And of course, if you've been enjoying these podcasts, learning beneficial information, or find the topics relevant to yourself and other music educators, then please share. The best advertising is always a personal referral, and I ask you to consider taking a moment to subscribe, leave a review, or share the links on your social media pages. This way, the information can move up the algorithm and reach a larger audience. For show notes on what you heard today, please head to pe4musicians.com and enjoy. Brianna, how old were you when you started playing oboe, which is your main instrument, mm-hmm. although you also double on several woodwinds, but what brought you to oboe as your main? Um, I started playing the oboe, I think I was 14. I had just, I was in high school already. I had grown up, um, grown up playing violin and then had added flute and saxophone, like, kind of along the way, but, but like, considered myself, like more of a violinist, um, and I just had a band director in high school who uh, foresaw that he needed oboe players in the coming years, <laughs> and was like, here, like, here, just try this thing, you know? <laughs> and um, I was like, oh, cool, the one that sounds like a duck. And I just started playing, and um, fortunately we had we had great oboe players as like juniors and seniors at the time, so I had you know good role models like right away. Yeah, there was something about it that I just like really took to. I think I was I, I was really I don't know because I had played other woodwinds, but for some reason that one really felt like you know I picked it up and I was like oh like this is this is my voice like I feel like I can uh, play the things you know that, that I hear. So you were really involved in music for quite a while. Did you ever do athletics as a kid? Yeah, I did do athletics. Um, I did a lot of athletics. I played soccer. Um, I danced from ages like 3 to 16 um, a lot, especially you know during high school. It was sort of felt like a part-time job almost. Um, but yeah, and I also rode horses a lot. So I was, I was super active in all of that stuff. And then when you went to university, you chose to major in music. Mm-hmm. And what, at what point in time did you decide to pursue, pursue music as your career? Um, I think it was, it might have been around junior or senior year. I mean, I think I sort of always saw that that was a direction that I might go in, but I was never really, really sure. Um, I had a, I have an older brother who went into music and, you know, that that made it, like, more compelling to me, you know, and I kind of saw him do it and enjoying it. And, um, yeah, around, like, junior or senior year in high school, I was kind of looking to college and, see, and, like, seeing it as a potential option for sure. Being a little bit unsure about going, like, straight into a performance track, which I think is part of what drew me to music therapy at first. Um, I knew I really wanted to do music, and I knew that I really wanted to help people and I was really intrigued by music therapy and um, the ways that you know you could potentially use music and influence you know people's minds and bodies and 
and things like that. So then what was your emphasis in your undergrad? It was, um, so I was fortunate enough to go to an undergrad where I could have two emphases, if that's the right word. I majored in music therapy and then I got a certificate in performance. And so I was able to, was able to like be, you know, totally a music therapy major, but also, especially at my school, being a music therapy major, you had to take all of the same classes as every other music student, you know, so it was just as much doing that, and then I was able to, you know, play in bands and do chamber music and um, play in all the orchestras, just like, just like a performance major too. And you know, I walked in, and I remember um, at my audition, my oboe teacher, you know, seeing that I wanted that I had music therapy done as my major. He was like, "All right, so do you want me to treat you like a music therapy major or a performance major?" And I was like, treat me like a performance major, you know, like, <laughs> so, so yeah, I really felt like I was able to do both, which was really fun. That's great. How many hours a day do you think you were practicing if you were being treated as a performance major, but weren't actually? Yeah, I mean, I think I was, um, I think I was practicing, you know, two hours a day plus read making, you know, probably at the peak. I could never, I, I could never really break the like two, two hours a day, you know, and really like push past that just like for, you know, time, just like not having enough time. But yeah. Um, what were the ensemble requirements like for you? So as a music therapy major, my ensemble requirements were pretty minimal, but I was still allowed to audition and participate in all of the ensembles. So I, I participated in like the graduate level band and the graduate level orchestra and um, got to play chamber music. And, and as far as all of that stuff went, it, it was like no different, you know, which was really cool. This is something that I've only recently found out about, but it makes so much sense that uh, there's more like head pressure when you play the oboe because you're trying to force the air through the double reed. Yeah. Do, do you think that impacts the amount of time you could practice anyway? Or do people ignore that and just push past two hours and, I don't know, get a headache? <laughs> I, think, um, I think the things that limit my practice time with the oboe are not so much the back pressure as, as much as it is... Um, just basic like hand like hand technical wear and also um like embouchure strength you know I think the oboe takes a little bit more um just takes a little bit more face than some of the other instruments um partially in part to that back pressure but just um you know literally just getting tired I think is what um is what kept or keeps me from practicing more hours if I I don't find that I get that I get headaches from the oboe, necessarily. If I have a headache and I go to play the oboe, it'll definitely make the headache worse. <laughs> and you mentioned that you double on a lot of instruments. Mm -hmm. What are all of those instruments? Um, so, I, you know, I grew up as a violinist, um, which is not really an instrument, you know, that I play very much anymore, other than, you know, to take it out and saw for my own enjoyment. Um, I play a little bit of flute, I, I play just a little bit of saxophone, I've recently been trying to get back into it, that's another instrument, like I said, that I played in, in high school, and then, um, and then English horn, of course, so I would say that oboe and English horn, and occasionally flute are, are sort of what I'm up to most. 
Did you have to do a lot of doubling when you were studying, or was it just primarily oboe English horn? It was primarily oboe English horn. I think in high school I had done so much doubling that I got to college and was really like, all right, I want to like focus on the oboe. I also had only been playing the oboe for like four years when I actually went to music school, so I really, I really wanted to like devote as much of my attention to that instrument as possible. At what point in time did you decide? Maybe music therapy isn't what I want to primarily be doing. I'd prefer to be performing. Yeah, it was um, it was towards the end of my music therapy degree. Um, I I did a music therapy internship, so as a part of the degree, you have to do four years of coursework and then you do a six month clinical internship. And I um, I interned in hospice and you know, spent six months, you know, practicing music therapy with a terminally ill, which was a, a really beautiful experience, and it taught me so much um, about people, but um, it wasn't, it wasn't something that I felt like was, was totally creatively fulfilling for me, and, um, and I found myself, this was actually um, coming out of a major injury that I had in my undergrad, I had sort of a curiosity if, like, performance was a viable thing for me to go, for me to, like, you know, go full steam ahead into. And yeah, I just auditioned for schools pretty much right after my music therapy internship. And yeah, just, like, really felt like that was where I wanted to put my focus. I definitely want to address the injury you mm-hmm. so casually just mentioned and just, like, threw out passing. <laughs> um, what... How did that happen? Where did it stem from? What yeah. do you think really triggered it that, yeah. that brought it about? So I entered into um, my last year of undergrad, totally excited about the oboe. Like, had just um, come off of this, like, summer festival I had done and um, was ready to, like, play a recital and, like, record some stuff. And um, just started noticing that, like, you know, I had some wrist pain and, like, you know, I, if I practiced my normal hours, you know, it was having some pain, but, like, everybody kind of experiences a little pain, so I didn't really think that much of it. But um, it definitely was one of those things that kind of, it, you know, I, I, I didn't expressly take care of it, so it didn't really go away. And, you know, a couple months into that, I mean, I, I ended up with so much, so much pain that I, I remember I played a concert and by the end of the concert, like, couldn't, couldn't hold my oboe up, um, just, I had just lost, like, so, I was in so much pain, slash, had, like, lost, like, a certain amount of, like, nerve functionality in my right hand, and, and it, it scared me, I mean, it really, really scared me, and, um, I think now I can kind of look back and see that over probably a period of years, I'd been playing with too much tension, not, you know, my posture wasn't efficient enough, and also, like, carrying around a heavy oboe backpack. And um, an oboe backpack doesn't sound like it should be that heavy, but we, we really like our reed-making accessories, so <laughs> it tends to get heavy pretty fast. And, um, yeah, all that tension just built up over time in my body. You know, at first it was like, hey, like, you should look at this. And then I, I didn't look at it enough, and my body was like, all right, this is a problem, and now you need to stop, you know. Did you stop? I, after that concert, it was, it was a huge wake-up call for me. 
And it was not, it was not easy because, you know, I was, I was enrolled in school. I had classes. I had, you know, ensemble responsibilities and all of these things. And, um, I remember like the week after that concert, sort of like making the rounds to all of my teachers and going, Hey, like, I can't, I can't play right now. Like this is, this has happened to me and I don't really know how to deal with it, but I can't, you know, I can't play. And I had, you know, I had a range of reactions from teachers. I had, I had teachers who were, who were empathetic and supportive, even if they didn't know how to help me. Um, and then I had teachers who were like, well, I don't really know what to do with you. So, you know, come back when you can play again. And, and after that, I was sort of, you know, set off on my own with all of this pain and, and, you know, no longer being able to play my instrument going, okay, well, uh, I guess I have to figure this out <laughs> or, or not play, you know. Did you have any teachers who were able to point you to resources for wellness? I absolutely didn't, which was a huge struggle. I mean, I had one teacher who told me to go to an orthopedic surgeon um, which, which now I would not recommend to anyone as a first line of defense because he immediately wanted to, um, he wanted to do a surgery to reposition the ulnar nerve in my right elbow, which, I mean, within like 10 minutes of Googling, I was like, no, <laughs> this does not, you know, this does not feel safe to me as someone who like really wants to use that nerve. <laughs> um, so then I entered into a period of kind of trying everything I could get my hands on um, and going to massage therapists and acupuncturists and physical therapists and chiropractors and looking at nutrition and looking at things like Feldenkrais and yoga and, and all of these different things. Um, it's kind of like um, just throwing everything at it that I could and then figuring out what, what stuck, you know, and what didn't. It was, you know... So many musicians have to do that, but it's really hard. Would you share with us some of the things that stuck? Yeah, for sure. Um, I would say massage and acupuncture definitely, definitely helped with my pain because I was in, I was in like daily chronic pain um, without playing at all. Um, just my activities of daily life. Um, and so I was doing that really regularly just to kind of maintain and then I was doing, I did a lot of chiropractic, some of which worked and some of which didn't, which was really frustrating. Um, because, you know, you pay someone to go see them like three times a week. And then after a few months, they're like, well, this shouldn't, this should have worked, but it didn't. Um, I went to, you know, somebody recommended that I do a nerve conduction test where you go to a neurologist and they basically, you know, they like zap your nerves and basically see if you have nerve damage. And um, I went in, and the neurologist was, he spent most of our time together just gaping with surprise at how much um, muscle mass I had lost in my right hand and my right shoulder. He brought in nurses to, like, also look and wonder <laughs> at, like, essentially how messed up I was. And, um, and did the nerve conduction test, and, and I just... And then told me just to not play the oboe ever again, you know? And, and I, I just walked out, like, mystified. Like, not only did I not have any more useful information than I did when I went in, but I, I had been through this, like, trauma, <laughs> you know, of, of this doctor. And, 
and just didn't have anything helpful. I mean, I had that experience, you know, a few different times, and I feel like, um, you know, now I really feel like it's it's the practitioner, even more so than the modality, just finding someone who's really good with bodies and really good at... Um, at helping you see what's going on with your body. So I was, I was fortunate enough to, to meet a few of those, to meet a massage therapist, an acupuncturist, and a physical therapist who were all um, really supportive and, like, really understood. And I think that's what really, what really helped in the long term. Especially, I mean, a big key for me was not only getting myself out of pain, but re-strengthening the areas of my body that um, that not only had become significantly weak from my injury, but actually needed to be really strong if I was ever going to play again. How long did you take off during this process? It was it was significant. I would say it might have been four months of no playing. Of pretty much no playing. Yeah. And this was during your undergrad still. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there was like a whole. Like, my whole final semester and a half of undergrad, like, I wasn't playing in any ensembles. I wasn't doing anything. I, you know, I would go to studio class, like, every once in a while, but even that was, like, pretty depressing. <laughs> how, so. how did this affect your graduation plans as well as your plans for a master's degree? Mm-hmm. Well, the kind of fortunate thing was that um, I did have that music therapy internship, after my coursework and I did my internship um, in the same town that my school was in so I was able to do like my final recital um, like a whole semester late basically because I was technically still a student I just wasn't taking all the usual classes so um, so yeah so I was um, playing well enough by then I mean this would be I played my recital probably like a year later than I thought I was going to um, but I was able to finally do that and finish up all the other little things. But thankfully, I mean, my major was really music therapy. So technically, you know, most of my requirements had already been fulfilled by that point. At this point in time, did you know you didn't want to pursue music therapy? Or what were your career goals at this point in time? Yeah, well, when I first got injured, I was I was sort of like, all right, well, I have this music therapy thing, and I can do that. Although, you know, there were various aspects of, like, playing guitar and all that stuff that, like, didn't really help my injury either. Um, but it, definitely far less demanding than playing the oboe. So I kind of I kind of fell back on, on that, or not fell back on that, but just, like, uh, concentrated my efforts there. But then... Um, as I was going through my in, my internship and also healing from my injury and feeling, it all just sort of like happened at once. You know, there was this like feeling like okay, like I'm playing again and it feels good and I think that I can and I think that I can do this. And also like, the music therapy is not is not really you know what I thought it would be. And um, and I kind of just like threw myself at a whole bunch of college auditions and and was like all right, let's see what happens, <laughs> you know, um, yeah, <laughs> it ended up working out. <laughs> so you came to CalArts for your master's degree, mm-hmm. you moved across the country to Los Angeles, Yeah. and how did your wrist and arm fare in master's degree? 
Yeah, well, I, I went through the whole, you know, my whole grad school audition process, it, and it totally pain-free, which I was really proud of, and I felt like that that was really, you know, a good indication, because, you know, I was definitely practicing a lot and traveling a lot. <laughs> um, but I remember arriving at CalArts, and um, I had just spent seven days in a car driving across the country, and was experiencing all of the stress about moving to a new city and, you know, not knowing anybody and, and all of that. And I remember I was at some, some orientation, like the first week or so, sitting in the orientation with like wrist and back pain and going, oh my gosh, what have I done? <laughs> you know? And I remember going to my teacher who of course I didn't know super well at the time, pretty much in tears going like, I, I'm really sorry, but like I have this old injury and it's like I have this flare up going on and I don't really know what I can do. And I was like really scared. And I remember him just being like, all right, it's totally fine. We'll figure it out. By the way, I know a great massage therapist. He works on musicians and I'll send you over to him. And I was like, oh, oh, okay, okay, this is the environment I'm in now. <laughs> and, um, yeah, felt nothing but support from my CalArts teachers, which was so different than what I had experienced in my undergrad, um, and still something that I'm just really grateful for. Did you find that it was easier to locate helping resources in Los Angeles, or just that maybe you're better directed... I think, um, well, I actually haven't, I haven't gone after looking for resources in Los Angeles as much as I did um, in Florida when I was sort of in the midst of my injury. I think because during that whole process, I really built an arsenal of tools for myself um, that I've gone back to over and over again, resources and things that I can do when I'm in pain and... Um, I've really stuck with the massage therapy because it's, I mean, it's just really helped. It's both, it both helps me um, on the short term when things come up and then it also over the long term has just really helped me understand, understand for me personally, like where my own areas are that I need to constantly be working on. I, I do think that there are so many more resources and practitioners available in Los Angeles than I had in Florida and sometimes I... Not that I wish that I had gotten injured here first, but but I yeah I definitely I definitely found a whole bunch of bad ones in Florida before I found the good ones. And that's wonderful that you've carried an arsenal of tools with you. How do you think that helped your master's degree? Did you find the flare up went away quicker or? Yeah, um, yeah, I do find that the flare ups would go away would go away quicker. And I think I also, I also learned to pay attention more, you know? So when my, when my body would ask for attention, I would listen to it right away, or I try to listen to it right away. Um, and so I just got better at catching things sooner and then, um, resting earlier than I would have rested before, going after it, you know, in, in whatever way, whether it's like a foam roller or actually going and seeing somebody. Um, and I also, you know, there's a great, 
Um, Rachel Rudich is the flute faculty member at CalArts, and she teaches a lot of musicians' wellness classes. So I actually had a faculty member at school that I could go to and be like, hey, you know, stuff is going on. And, and I had support, like, right, right there, um, which was also really useful. So, yeah, I felt like I definitely... I definitely had flare-ups, and um, they, you know, they always seem to come at times of, of stress or things that are that often don't have anything to do with the oboe, you know? If my life is really stressful and I'm playing a lot, you know, it increases the likelihood. Um, if I'm not taking care of myself as well, you know, all of these different things, um, you know, have, you know, have an influence on it. That segues really nicely into what I was going to ask, which feel free to as feel free to answer as much or as little of it as you want to. But mm. how much of this do you feel like was a mental battle? There's obviously a physical battle. Mm. We hurt ourselves. We're repetitively engaged in activities. There's no doubt that playing any instrument is physical. But to what extent do you feel like? a lot of the battles were mental. I mean, I don't think it's a coincidence that your flare-up happened right when you came. You just moved across the country mm-hmm. to embark in a new area of life away from everything else that you've ever known. Mm-hmm. That's stressful, so yeah. no wonder. Totally, right. And it's, and it's remembering those kinds of things now that make it much easier for me to like have compassion on myself (laughs) because I think I think all of us musicians we think that it's our fault you know when pain comes up we think like oh it's something that we did um and in that way I I think there's a I think physical injuries especially for artists they have a huge impact on our on our minds I mean when I when my injury you know first you know reached a, a critical point and I couldn't play I was in chronic pain, which affects your ability to think clearly just in general. Um, and I couldn't do like what I love to do. And I, I became really depressed during those months. I also felt alienated from my friends and my peers in music school who were, who were fun and active and, you know, doing their own thing and, and couldn't really understand what I was going through. And, um, and I think it did impact, I think it definitely impacted my confidence too especially going back into it I really like suddenly I had performance anxiety where I had just never had performance anxiety before you know and so I think I think those were things that I wasn't really paying attention to when I was injured in a lot of pain I was just like all right let's get out of pain and then let's learn how to play the oboe you know pain free and I it's not until like much longer after that that I started really like focusing on the mental ways that it affected me and sort of shook me and made me, you know, just like made me doubt myself in ways that I might not have otherwise. <laughs> I hear ya. I'm probably, I'm a horrible podcast host. I'm like tearing up. I'm too empathetic. <laughs> I'm just like, don't make eye contact. She'll see that you're crying. Uh, because your story also is very similar to my own. And, uh, I think it's probably very similar to many musicians. Mm-hmm. And if I, we're all artists, hopefully we all feel this level of empathy towards each other rather than suppressing it. Um, so you're finishing up your master's degree. What does the performance, um, I guess, parameters look like for you now compared to your undergrad? Are you practicing more or less? 
Um, I think I have I have time to practice more, which I'm really enjoying. <laughs> um, but also, there's not there's not you know heaps of music to learn the way that there is in music school, which I think I think really contributed a lot to my injury. You know, because in music school you're asked to learn so much music all at once it's 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 almost impossible not to go to the practice room with tension already just from your own overwhelm so i've been really enjoying practicing from a much more like relaxed space practicing much more slowly um i practice a lot less written music now which is also just because i i've you know i did a lot of improvisation at cal arts and um have just been like digging more into that now um yeah and I and I think in general especially at this stage in my career um the physical demand is a lot less which is really helpful but I you know there are definitely there are definitely times where it feels like a lot um but yeah I'm so glad you mentioned improv you came together with two other players DIY podcasting um, you came together with two other players while you were at CalArts, mm-hmm. and now you have a trio, and you basically do freeform jazz. What is that? Sort of, yeah. Um, so this is um, probably the m- most terrifying thing I've done so far, <laughs> which was um, I really got into improvisation at CalArts. Um, it really just, like... It was really freeing. I, I feel like it's, like, changed, you know, the way that I relate to my instrument a lot. And um, as I was leaving CalArts, I really wanted to know that I had something that was, like, challenging me creatively as well as, like, helping me continue to develop these, like, improv skills that I had started to work on. So I asked, you know, two very good friends of mine who are also incredible improvisers if they would join this trio with me. And um, we've been calling it Petrichor. And um, yeah, I, I kind of look at it as um, a combination of like, definitely in like the classical chamber music tradition, but heavily based on improvisation. And the two other musicians um, are, you know, both jazz musicians, like somewhat self-taught. They're just, you know, they're they're wonderful very very supportive people and musicians and um yeah we've just been kind of going for it and you know just playing playing around a little bit here and there and you know trying to see what comes of it but it's definitely um it's definitely been a really great challenge for me definitely been something that um has contributed a lot to like my creative fulfillment and like excitement since being in school yeah yeah, I was going to say, it sounds like a challenge, but also joy. Just like a pure place for playtime. Because mm-hmm. you're also doing a lot of symphonic practice and mm-hmm. have ambitions still in the classical mm-hmm. world. So how do you keep the two balanced? I feel like they feed each other so much. And I feel like, um, I feel like the improvisation has... Um, brought a lot of my classical music to life a lot more. Um, I feel like it's helped me, it's helped me develop my own personal voice and it's helped really, you know, the pieces, whether it's excerpts or rep or whatever, those things that you play over and over and over again, um, 
taking a break and, and going into improvisation for a while and then coming back to them, they feel like much more fresh for me. Whether um, whether it's because I've improv- been improvising or because I've just been taking a break from them. <laughs> um, but yeah, I definitely feel like I feel like they fuel each other so much. And there's a whole history of improvisation in classical music um, that just over the last, you know, just over the last, like, breath has has seemed to have almost vanished. But um, but I, I, I remember this hearing this one quote at CalArts that, like, really challenged me. But it was basically, you know, somebody was like, well, music without improvisation is dead. And I was like, are you sure? Because I've, I've devoted most of my life to this, like, thing over here. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, I feel like... I feel like it's been really, really useful and definitely helped me keep a lot of joy and creativity and um, aliveness in the written stuff that I play, too. The last thing that I want to talk with you about really quickly is the way that we got into contact, which has actually been through this whole endeavor. And mm-hmm. uh, the first person actually point me to you was also from the CalArts community mm-hmm. and anytime I tell anyone what I'm doing they're like oh do you know Brianna Gilcher she she's really into this stuff you, mm-hmm. you should meet her and I was like yes we've recently met uh, <laughs> but you do run a page on Facebook mm-hmm. for musician wellness yeah. and you reshare a lot of useful information what really spurned this desire in you to not just know it for yourself mm-hmm. but to try to find a bigger audience yeah I feel like I feel like I kind of went through the trenches a little bit as far as like being injured and figuring out what to do and I feel like in doing that I um I I just learned a lot of information and that in and of itself is so is so difficult, you know, it's so difficult to find good information, and, and, and then when you're injured on top of it, there's a whole host of other, like, things that you're trying to deal with, and so the group for me has been a way of, like, sort of, I, I do the work of weeding out the, the less useful information, and I try to share things that, that are really useful, um, so that other people don't have to, you know, I want it to be, you know, a place where people can go not only to share their own stories and find a community of support and open-mindedness, but also a place where people can reliably find helpful information, you know, more quickly so they don't have to do it themselves, you know? Yeah, there's a lot of stuff on the internet to wade through and Mm -hmm. not all of it is always helpful. I also appreciate so much lately you've been labeling how long a read something is. I noticed, (laughs) and I am very appreciative. Also that you've allowed me to find a bit of a home there posting. Yeah. Probably incessantly about everything I'm doing. I'm so supportive of what you're sharing, and I think think that it's incredibly useful. And, And in a big way, you're taking this whole dearth of information and whittling it down to practical, you know, useful information and things that we can really take with us. And I'm really grateful for the work that you're doing. And I'm so glad that you're sharing it in the group. (laughs) Well, thank you. So Mm -hmm. obviously you can find uh, me on 
Brianna's page, which is Wellness for Musicians mm-hmm. on Facebook, and you can now find Brianna on my page, um, which you can go to the blog, pe4musicians.com. We're going to have everything here that we've talked about, links to find what Brianna's up to, um, recordings, website, anything and everything you could possibly want to know. Thank you so much for sharing a very personal story. We've had a lot of information stories, and Mm -hmm. this was both informative and human, so thank you. Thank you so much for having me, and yeah, I hope that... I hope that we get to a place where we all can share. We all have these stories, you know, and I really hope that, like, our music community gets to a place where we can really support each other in it. If you'd like to learn more about what you heard here, check out the website pe4musicians.com where you can find links mentioned here to locate Brianna as well as helpful blogs and other information. Last week I took off for spring break, but if you missed my previous conversation with Alexander Technique teacher Dr. Heidi Leithwood, then be sure to check out that, as well as one of my more popular posts regarding spinal health and neutrality over on the blog. And of course, please take a moment to subscribe and leave a review if you haven't already. This helps boost the appearance of this podcast in searches and the algorithm, which allows a greater audience to be reached with this information. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next week on PE for Musicians.